Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. I'm your host, Jamie Stein. So I'm curious and excited and even a little overwhelmed by today's episode. As many of you know, there was a docu-series released on Hulu last month called The Deep End that focused on self-appointed spiritual guru, YouTube spiritual guru, Teal Swan, and her 1.5 million person following. And it's been definitely in the pop culture zeitgeist. A lot of people have been talking about it. And I got a lot of messages from people wanting me to do a deep dive episode all about it. So, um, of course, I checked it out. And not only did I check it out, I checked out a lot of attendant material, uh, additional Teal Swan material. We'll, we'll get into that in a moment. So I'm here having emerged from a true Teal Swan crash course. And I'm joined today by two friends of the podcast who have previously been with me to explore the world of cults, or in this case, potential cults, uh, the first of which is Anne Bradney, who has a decades-long career doing very, very deep work with people. She started out as a certified core energetics practitioner, and from there developed her own brand of uh, psycho-spiritual somatic work called Radical aliveness, which is a form of work that just really holds space for all the different multiple diverse perspectives in the world, trusts the wisdom that wants to come through everyone and everybody, holds space for all the feelings and all the different types of wisdom. She has facilitated groups for decades. She's really in the trenches, travels internationally, literally conducts workshops between Palestinians, Arabs, and Jews. She's just truly in the trenches of the work. And once again, it just felt like such a no-brainer to have her on to discuss someone like Teal Swan, who is facilitating, I guess you'd say, her own brand of quote-unquote deep work. Whether that's ethical or not, we'll explore, but Anne definitely has a valued and valuable perspective on this subject matter. So welcome back to the podcast, Anne. Hi. Hi. Thank you, Jamie. I'm happy to be here. And... My second guest, as always, needs no introduction because she is a veteran of the podcast at this point, a valued cohort in this pop culture psycho-spiritual journey with me, Piper Sample from Orange County. Welcome back. How are you? I'm good, Jamie. Good to be with you. Hi, Anne. Hi, Piper. So <laughs> having said that, I just take a deep breath because like I said, I feel like I'm emerging from a teal swan tunnel. I guess I'll just catalog what I myself have watched. First, there was The Deep End, the four-part docuseries on Hulu. 
Then I believe all three of us also listened to this six-part podcast on Teal Swan uh, that was released through a platform called The Gateway. I think the podcast was called The Gateway. Oh, Gizmodo is the platform, and the podcast is called The Gateway. So this was a six-part podcast that was released about Teal Swan's work a few years ago. And uh, I believe, though, all three of us have also listened to a three-and-a-half-hour-long interview on a podcast called Mormon Stories with one of Teal Swan's childhood best friends, which I have to say was very illuminating and really kind of reframed and recontextualized my experience of Teal Swan. And then in addition to that, I listened to another episode of the podcast Mormon Stories that was released a few years ago, where the host interviewed one of Teal Swan's ex- boyfriends who was around 2010 2011 so as she was starting to build this thing that she's building again another really illuminating interview so I'm coming out of this with my head spinning a little bit I feel like I'm a little bit lost in the teal swan hall of mirrors and I think when we first decided to do this which was actually about a month ago now I had my perception of what my intention was for this episode and also I had my established experience of Teal Swan at that point, which for me was, you know, feeling like this is a woman who does actually have some gifts and that she's powerful and that there are, there's something that she gets tapped into. I think particularly when she's working with people live, like that's when I feel her most connected to something, but that she also has just a ton of blind spots and that it's just a great example of examining Someone who has both gifts, work flowing through them that can be helpful and also has their humanity and their blind spots. And how do we as seekers navigate this? That's kind of where I was coming from a month ago. Having said that, after listening to these interviews with both her childhood best friend and also her ex-boyfriend, who appears in the deep end. His name is Jared. He's the guy in the deep end who talked about how when he left, she told him you might as well go and kill yourself. The interview with him and the interview with the childhood best friend really blew a lot wide open for me in terms of really seeing Teal (laughs) as a disturbed individual who is really making up a lot of stories about herself and also encouraging other people to really make a, make up a lot of stories about themselves. And it makes her seem a lot more questionable, fraudulent, destructive, unstable. And so now I'm just kind of sitting here feeling like a little bit dizzy. <laughs> I don't quite know where to even start or what to even say about all this. I spoke to you two originally after the three of us, I think, had seen the deep end. We have not connected since listening to these other interviews. So maybe just as a point of entry, I'll just check in with the both of you about where are you at currently with all of this, having taken in more of the material, and what's most top of mind in this moment. And I guess I'll just say we'll fill in blanks because I'm aware that probably a lot of people listening to this haven't heard these interviews. And there's really quite a lot of pertinent information that was left out of the deep end. But going back to my question, where are you guys at right now in terms of the world and culture of Teal? I think I have something similar to you, Jamie. I mean, when I watched the deep end, 
I already felt that she was disturbed, maybe very gifted, but also that there was something very disturbed about her in the way that she interacted with people who questioned her. And that felt really concerning to me that there was a way that she can't be questioned and, and the way she, she felt like a bully to me, actually, but, but also a bully with a lot of incredible gifts and just the thing that felt so dangerous to me about her was that there is no one she answers to or no one that she has looking at what she's doing and that she feels that everything she does is right, which is a little bit scary or a lot scary when you have a million suicidal followers. <laughs> then when I watched her her childhood friend, listening to her childhood friend, I, I just thought, oh, this woman is really troubled, really, really troubled and and powerful, troubled and powerful. And that it also felt like she's making up lies, but I, yeah, it's hard to talk about her. She's she's confusing because I feel that she, I don't, I, I think I have to stop there for a minute. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the confusion is interesting, right? Because she just feels so complicated. She feels confusing. And I feel like this is probably the experience of what it is to be in relationship with her where you don't know what is up and what is down because she's so good at filtering things through her teal machine and sort of turning things back around on you that it almost feels like you lose sense of your own grounding, sense of reality, sense of perspective. So it feels like we're in the confused, confusing field of teal. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I actually pulled a card while you were doing the introduction and it's um, schizophrenia. (laughs) I was like, that's what it feels like. There were things that came out in that documentary that just were kind of unbelievable, but didn't really know why they were unbelievable. And I like to suspend what I think I know whenever I listen to things, because look, I mean, I sit with people all the time that have these stories that are just like, wow, this is so outside of my experience of life, but that doesn't mean these things haven't happened. So the pieces that came in that were so like outside of the ordinary, like, you know, satanic cult, children being murdered, situations that you hadn't heard about in the news, just something around the actual details that were so seemingly something you could check out, but didn't add up. There's a reality that feels like she's constructed that you lean into in a way. And with all my faculties, it's like, oh, yeah, this is somebody I would stay away from. But then I would think about her followers and I think about where people are who are really at a place where they're questioning what the reason they would want to stay alive. People that are grappling, I guess, with their lives in that deep of a way, find their way to her. And the power, as you guys both mentioned, she's a very powerful woman and she has a type of conviction about what she thinks she knows that sort of cuts through any question that somebody else might be having. And I could feel the people that surround her are people that want to be told what to do and they buy into it. And because I'm not one of those people, I, I'm, I'm more of a 
don't tell me what to do. So there was a way that I just couldn't wrap my brain around what she's doing and why, you know, like, I, I think that's kind of a question that I have for both of you. Like when you feel into her deepest connected intention, what's driving her? Because I think she really feels like she's helping people. I have this sense that she's really so outside of reality. And I, I'm not sure what she believes and what she doesn't. And I think that's part of the confusion. Yeah. And I guess I guess we need to bring in some context now. Because again, I'm imagining most people listening to this have not listened to these interviews with people from her, from her past. A, a huge part of Teal's platform and her her claim to expertise and knowledge in all these areas is that she herself survived this incredibly traumatic childhood where according to her she well first of all she was always different from the time she was a little girl and her parents were trying to you know furiously figure out how to help her and what was wrong with her because of course she was so special and so gifted I mean in her mind uh, people were scared of her they didn't know what to do with her and somewhere along the way they met a nearby veterinarian who was also very interested and um, educated in matters of basically like new age matters, you know, energy work and new age principles. And he said, oh, I can I can help you with Teal. I, I understand who she is. And according to Teal, her parents kind of let her spend a lot of time with him. And then according to Teal, not only did he sexually abuse her, but he brought her into this satanic sex cult essentially that was very elaborate and according to her I mean she was getting taken from her bedroom at 3 a.m. at night she was being taken out of school there were multiple people involved it wasn't just that she was being molested it was that people were being murdered babies were being murdered there were animal sacrifices there was torture satanic ritual very larger than life accounts i guess it should also be said for point of reference that this was happening it's also confusing because this is the other thing there's all these different timelines depending on who (laughs) is narrating so teal has one timeline I feel like her childhood best friend has another timeline. Her ex-boyfriend has another timeline because he's also filtering what he knows about Teal from what Teal was telling him at that time. So, you know, we're getting Teal's timeline from 2011. Now we're getting Teal's timeline from 2022. And my understanding, too, is in all of this, I think there are people who have reported, like, her stories change. Oh, yeah, definitely the boyfriend talked about that, that her stories would grow and evolve over time and even Blake at the time would kind of sit there and cock his head and be like oh you never mentioned this before you know so they would sort of get larger and larger in scope in drama as time would go on so I you know the timelines are very confusing but basically what I do know is that at one point Teal was seeing this therapist named Barbara Snow And Barbara Snow is sort of notorious at this point because she was um, one of these therapists who was a major player in what's now called satanic panic. I guess this was like in the 90s, right? Where there was just suddenly this hysteria around satanic sex cults and daycare 
Sisters were being accused of bringing children into satanic sex cults now in hindsight or maybe even at the time there's there's been links made between you know this was a time where women were going back into the workforce and a lot of people think it was kind of like a conservative reaction to that of like look what's happening like mothers are going back into the workforce kids are being put in evil daycare now the children are being lured into satanic sex cults and accusations were made i mean like real accusations were made and fbi investigations were undertaken and i think the important thing to say about all this is there was never any evidence found that any of this was true there was no corroborating evidence but at this time barbara snow was definitely one of the therapists feeding into that and she's also someone who was a big proponent of helping people to recover repressed memories. And there's a lot of accusations towards her about basically leading clients to recover repressed memories. She's not a woman who was gently allowing clients to arrive at recovered memories on their own. The accusation against her is that she was really leading people to recover memories that had a consistent satanic sex cult theme amongst multiple clients. And this is someone who Teal Swan saw. So Teal Swan was seeing a major player in the satanic sex recovered memories. And she herself now has this origin story about her own sort of long extended history with satanic sex cults. Again, there was never any evidence that corroborated this. She actually did turn over her journals at one point to the police to say like, here's the evidence, go, you know, go find something. The police actually didn't see any evidence in her journals. They never discovered anything. And so this is context. And it's all just to say that when you listen to the interview with her childhood best friend, her childhood best friend, first of all, just says, look, I spent so much time with her. They were truly best friends. She was just like this notion that she was being plucked from her home in the middle of the night, plucked from school. I mean, she just says it didn't happen and there's no way it would have happened. I mean, there's so much more we could say about the childhood best friend and her experiences with Teal. I think the main thing I'll just bring in right now that felt really important is at a certain point, while they were close, I think even as teenagers, Teal started introducing her best friend to this notion of repressed and recovered memories. But she started to basically plant these seeds in her best friend's head that she might be suffering from her repressed memories. That would explain her malaise in life. Teal suggesting this notion of repressed memories ended up having this domino effect in her life that just kind of devastated her family. It had such a devastating effect on the family that that was the point where they were saying, we don't want you around Teal anymore. And they Mm -hmm. sent her to go live with her father because it was a divorced set of parents. So the mother sent her to go live with her father in a separate town from Teal to get them away. But she did get away from Teal, kind of got her life more together, found legitimate help that helped her work through her issues. And then what happened was a few years later, I guess in their early 20s, she happened to run into Teal at a park and they reconnected. And by her account, it was like a nice, normal interaction. And Teal said, oh, let's exchange information. Let's reconnect. And she was like, "Okay, yeah, we can reconnect now. And I guess that night, Teal sent her an email saying, hey, by the way, I've recovered all these memories about being in the satanic sex cult. And you were there, too. And you went through this with me. 
And I guess at that point, the woman was still so fragile that this just sent her into a tailspin. And, you know, Teal was cataloging the murders that happened, the necrophilia, the bestiality. And this woman kind of had a breakdown thinking, oh, my God, was I an accessory to murder? Do I not remember it? She suddenly was getting scared she was going to get arrested for crimes that she couldn't even remember. And so I guess at that point, she was so scared of Teal that she literally moved cities so that she wouldn't possibly run into her again. So... The reason why I'm saying all this is that it sets a template (laughs) coming back to the schizophrenia card and like this notion of a break in reality. It sets a template like that. This is a woman who is not only constructing what seems to be tall tales about what she went through. And I guess let's just throw in the caveat, of course, that this is not to disbelieve victims of sex abuse or sexual assault. It's just to call into question this particular story since it is so larger than life and also has these threads and satanic panic and Barbara Snow and all these things. But it's not just that Teal was constructing these stories for herself. It's that she then brought people from her orbit into it and was saying you were there too you had these experiences too and actually her ex-boyfriend had a similar thing where she would lead him through these processes using his imagination quote-unquote to kind of recover memories and this guy ended up quote-unquote recovering memories of being abused by his father being sexually abused by his grandparents and it was only once he got out and you know started undertaking other therapeutic modalities that he was able to say no wait this didn't happen so there is an actual history and background with teal of actively encouraging people to recover these false memories of really extreme abuse I mean, it's so interesting because as you were talking, Jamie, I was thinking about the deep end and the ways that she would tell people things and they would so immediately soak it up. Your parents don't love you or you were abused. And to see how quickly people would go into deep sobbing, it was so interesting to watch the way those pieces of information could just be put into people and they would take them on immediately without any question and it would change their entire lives. And I have this feeling with Teal when you're talking about her and you're talking about her childhood and the fact that she was working with people in her childhood and then working with her boyfriends and Piper, you're asking, what is her intention? I just feel that she was disturbed. There's some disturbance and there's some power there at the same time. So it's like you're saying the schizophrenic card. To me, it feels like a deep disturbance and in also this incredible awareness and power and of some kind of profound split that feels so dangerous to me. Dangerous. And the danger is is that she doesn't actually know how to wield her. Well, she knows how to wield her power to have power over you know, she finds that little soft spot and goes right in and she can feel it right away. Like she, she knows when she has someone, but the split for me feels like uh, this is the part I'm not clear about because, you know, this is where I, I lose something. I, I actually feel like she believes I do too. she is helping people. I do too. And the blind spot around the damage that she's actually doing by not meeting people truly where they are, but projecting 
into that soft spot what her narrative is and that they just, like you said, just soak it up because they don't know. And here's someone who claims she can see blood moving through your veins. It's like, well, if you have that much power, then you must know what happened to me. And if I don't know what happened to me, then uh, I'm going to follow you and listen to you. And obviously you've gotten over all these things that as we're establishing right now, her platform is based on a bunch of incongruent timelines and details. That's her base that people are like, well, if she's gotten over it, then I should be listening to her. She uses the story. She believes in her um, stories at this point? This is the thing. I actually don't. Mm-hmm. I did think that when I first watched the documentary, that's where I was like, she's very disturbed. And until I listened to the other woman's stories and I'm like, oh, okay, that's where she built this like who could think of this story like where where does where does all this information come from it feels like she just took bits and pieces like she's obviously very connected to looking up information on the internet because she was super into porn and all the things when she was really young so she had a lot of information that was kind of coming into this really young brain a young brilliant brain like there's a lot of power and brilliance there right but a lack of maturity or it's so black and white that that split is so incredibly sharp and deep and it feels like she got born that way to me somehow that she came in with something that even her parents couldn't she says that that her parents weren't capable of holding her or seeing her that feels true to me that she came in with something that was so beyond what they could understand because one of the things that her ex-boyfriend talked about to your point piper about not fully believing that she actually fully believes her stories he said that she would kind of discourage him and others from ever bringing up her stories around her parents or her family. I forget the exact exact language he used, but it was it was clear what he was saying was she didn't want anyone doing anything where it could possibly be vetted or checked out. And there was kind of a sense of like, yeah, we don't we don't talk about this in front of people who might actually know something about it. And and he actually said too that there would be times kind of late at night in bed where she would say things like the world is going to find out I'm a fraud like the world's going to find out. I mean, that could mean I'm lying about everything or it could just be kind of the way in which we all sometimes feel like a fraud. I don't know. He wasn't like fully clear, but he did say that there there did seem to be an awareness of, of, of the limitations of her narratives. Another thing that he mentioned is like, she would always say, I'm psychic. I can predict the future. And so then they would sort of challenge her sometimes and say things like, well, why don't you play the winning lottery ticket? You know, and she just always had an answer for everything. Oh, that's not the right that it works. Okay, well, how does it work? Oh, you're not going to be able to understand it. So it does feel like there's this pattern. She, she always just feels like this really excited kid to me. And I think, I think it was you, Anne, or one of you talked about like the lack of maturity. And that's sort of what it feels like. It's like I'm this really overexcited kid who's finding out about things and learning about things and I take it and it becomes part of my story and like an improviser I'm saying yes and to it and this is part of what makes me special and this is part of my grandiosity and then if something comes in to challenge it then I have to find something else to say yes to that can shut down the challenge and like 
that's part of where her brilliance comes in. I mean, the way that she's able to just twist and turn things, she's sort of masterful at it. It almost feels like a skill that she is just able like that to drop into the defense that's going to shut it down and make you wrong somehow. And that the people she did that with uh, on the deep end, the way that she came after them, the the man who had lost his mother, you know, when she was going after him, and then to see him later in such a vulnerable place, feeling so helped. It's interesting. Well, just to speak to what I experience as part of her power, because that feels important. Like, I actually, I do think there's something powerful about the sort of provocative way that she deals with people and questions people even when it gets antagonistic i feel like she she brings things out that are compelling so even that guy who questioned you know who do you go to to kind of check out your blind spots which yeah absolutely was she triggered it definitely felt that way is it incredibly problematic that her response was not hey, yeah, I understand I'm a human being. I have my humanity. So of course I'm going to have my own blind spots. And of course I seek out help. Um, That is problematic. But I will say that even in the way she engaged with that guy, I felt like she did have a point and she was shining a light on something in him where it's like, what is this need in you for you to know who or what I answer to? Because that guy even said something like, you know, he referenced Bikram Yoga. Oh, the guy who created Bikram Yoga, he creates this work and he says one thing publicly, but then he's off doing things privately. And for me, like, as I was watching this, if I were working with this guy, yeah, like, I'd kind of want to check out what is it in you that needs to know that people are lining up personally with their public work. Like if Bikram yoga is a great work and you get something out of it, what is this sort of controlling place in you that has to have the man match up to it? Now, I want to be clear. I'm not condoning what the Bikram yoga guy did. He was like sexually exploiting people. That's wrong and he should be held responsible for that. But it's almost like that conversation of, are you willing to separate the work from the person who channels the work And if you're not making Teal a deity who's on a pedestal and you're just benefiting from her work, who the fuck really cares what she's doing in her personal life? You have agency and you have choice. As long as you're getting something out of the work, great. And if you're no longer getting something out of the work, then leave. But why do you need to know what she's doing? And I just thought that was an interesting point of consideration, contemplation and illumination for him. And I felt like whether she meant to or not, like she took him there very quickly. And I saw her do this with a few different people. Again, that woman, Sabrina, who again, I'm not condoning all of what happened, but there were those moments where I did feel like she kind of cut into something And I liked her sort of firm, aggressive, provocative way of doing it, especially from a woman. Like there's something that I'm like, oh, this is kind of powerful. But I think the problem for me is that to your guys' point, I don't think she's owning it as what it is, which is this kind of aggressive, provocative, fierce, my way or the highway pushing. She's holding it in a different way with a lot of people who are fragile. There's a way that she's holding it that feels obviously problematic, but I did want to speak to what I experience as a flavor of her potential power. And it's interesting that you bring up those particular moments, because for me, that's where I saw her. Like you said, her power, but also her distortion of power. If you're in a business to empower other people, which she's promoting, she's saying, you know, like 
say yes to your life. And your life is saying, wait a minute, who are you to be telling me this? Where do you get this information from? Who, who is checking this out with you? I, it's almost like there was a part of them that didn't trust her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I would be like, okay, if I'm just kind of feeling how powerful that moment is and how much in that moment with the right person, those people could truly connect with something internal for themselves around their intuition, around being able to sniff out distortion around, you know, whatever it was that they were hooked into that were saying, I can't surrender here because something is off. I can't name it. I can't find it, but I'm trusting you enough to bring it to you. And then she takes it and then smears it. So for me, that those were the moments where I could feel, oh, okay, I can understand why this question around her work is in play here. You know, there's something about the way she's holding this power over over someone as opposed to holding it in relationship with them that helps them connect with their own. It's almost like, oh, no, 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 no. There's nobody that could hold me. I'm one of the masters. Who who fucking says that? Who is a master? The people that I've worked with in in those positions are, have been, and, and being one of them, have been Yes, challenge this. Yes, find out where's this coming from. She started to ask that question, but told him where it was coming from. She didn't let him come arrive. She asked the question, but then answered it in the same breath. Yeah, and just to be clear, I agree with you. I mean, that those are also the moments where I saw her limitations and her blind spots. I just wanted to name a flavor of yeah, what I experienced as part of her power. And I think in some ways, we're saying the same thing. I mean, for me, the issue becomes in the way that she's holding all of this, because she does hold it. Well, one, as I do have all the answers and two, I'm healing people like I'm holding this in a soft, loving way that purports to connect people. Yeah, to sort of their own deeper truth, which I don't think is really true rather than holding it as I'm kind of a bullheaded type a badass bitch who's going to kind of hammer you and nail you to the wall and it's not going to be pleasant but maybe you'll get something out of it (laughs) not that I think she would ever do that but it's almost like I could see a version of this you know what I mean where if she were just willing to own again this sort of aggressive way she goes in there and then just sort of leave it at that it's it's one thing but she's not holding it like that there's a there you know again to kind of revisit our language there's a split in the way that she's holding this work it's so interesting because i'm so aware of something that's happening for me while we're talking about her my head feels completely empty i can't focus i it's hard to see her it feels hard to see her. It feels hard for me to see her clearly. It's almost as if I'm looking at her and she's not there. It's kind of what happens for me when I think about her. And I mean, it's interesting that she said to so many people, you're a confusing person. You're a confusing person. You're a confusing person. 
And I'm thinking, Teal, you are a confusing person. And what I can say is that, like both of you, in those moments and in many other moments, the way she would look at people, the way she would respond to people with a certain kind of energy that to me looked very threatening. A glance, a turnaround, a way she would lift her eyebrow. There were all these things she did where all of a sudden she became so threatening for me when I was looking at her. And I felt like the intention was a threat to people. Don't you dare question me. And in that place, I just felt like whatever else she's doing, whatever good she's doing, whatever moments of brilliance she has, that makes me feel like she's a person that is really dangerous. She feels dangerous to me. And it's funny to even name it because I almost feel like it's hard to, the moment I put a word on her, as if I should take it back. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah, what is it? What happens right when you want to take it back? It's almost like the intention of her entire being is don't you dare see me and don't you dare name what's going on here. Don't you dare. And also maybe even a place where she's even feeling that towards herself. Don't I dare see me. I can't see these things about me. Like, no. There's something so powerful there, and it actually has an impact on me. And if if you did see her, what would happen? Well, and maybe this is maybe this is it, you know, where it takes me if I just let myself follow really irrational yeah. feelings. It takes me to deep grief. And I feel that in that place, there is such a chasm between us. And if I see her, I'm going to feel that chasm and I'm going to lose everything Everything. that I have. Yep. Yep, that's it. And I think that is what people already feel like her her followers, followers, her her followers. I think they already arrive with that. Yeah. She's attracting people who already have that. And and the reality is, I mean, first of all, you're looking at her. She's, you know, this stunning woman in these. There's just something mesmerizing about her. And there are things she does that are magical. And there's just a lot that I think she's giving people that must feel all those moments that she said to people you're no longer alone, right? I mean, that was a message she was saying to these people who would come up and say, I'm so alone, or I've been with this, or I've lost everything. And she would be until this moment, you know, here, here you are part of the teal tribe. And they would just break down crying. (laughs) Yeah, some place where I can imagine people are having this deep connection to her. And if they really see, if they really see, they're going to lose it all. And if she sees, she's going to lose it all too. Yeah. And it's interesting because in those moments, that's when I, like Jamie was saying, it's like I could, that's where I could see her power to connect other people to other people. But it was almost as if 
that connection that was happening, it was in the field of, you know, these big rooms that she was in where, she, of course, they were seekers that were not alone and it was in the field, but somehow it got directed to her. You know, mm -hmm. somehow that I'm the one that's saving you. And then she would even say something after, like, I think there was one moment where it's, she said something like, it's not me, you know, it's like something collective or something. And, but I can almost feel like she didn't, it didn't, she didn't mean it. She didn't mean that. No. It was like, this is what I'm saying. But yes, this is this is because of me. All these people are here because of me. And I just want to name that having said what I just said and going where I just went, I feel so relieved suddenly. I feel so relieved and suddenly I feel present with both of you. And it's interesting because what I'm aware of is I can feel my grief and I am not alone. But the people that are coming to her are. And some of them are really alone and on the verge of suicide. And if they lose, if they see, if they lose her, what have they got? And a lot of them have tried other things and lost, lost out. It almost feels like she's like the last stop for some Absolutely. of these Absolutely. And I think that is also, if we're going to talk about something here today that's really meaningful in terms of the world, that something she's saying, which I think we said about Keith also and Nancy from the Nexium, that the options people have mm -hmm. in the mainstream world are so fucking limited yeah. and not, not bold. I mean, there's ways she's being incredibly bold. There's ways she's naming things. There's ways she's inviting people into experiences, which... Some people were saying were terrible, but which I thought I've invited people into those experiences too, but in a very different context where I'm, I know who I'm with, but there's something she's doing that is lacking a boldness or a willingness to see things or a willingness to go certain places that, yeah, like you said, Piper, the people who are coming to her are literally saying, this is my last stop. And I think, there is something powerful about someone who is willing to say, yeah, I'm not scared of the conversation around suicide, yes. for example. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, the whole Teal Swan conversation is pointing a big red arrow towards the limitations of, you know, a lot of like the traditional modes of therapy. And, you know, I'll, I'm sure you guys have similar experiences but i just know from my own work I, i've just worked with so many people who come to me saying i tried going to x y or z therapist and like it just it wasn't a fit it didn't work for me i felt so misunderstood and they end up really responding to a different framework that holds space for more and you know of course this is not to say that all therapy is like that or all therapists are like that but I think we all know there are people out there who certified licensed who are coming at these things from a very sort of rigid 
myopic yeah like check the box um diagnostic way that just doesn't invite in the individual and and all of their multifaceted weirdness and in their energy and whatever wants to come through and so the reason why i'm saying this is that they're also yeah there absolutely can be a preciousness let's say or a fear of the deeper currents of energy you know topics like suicide oh we you know we better stay away from that i mean part of that fearing their own culpability you know so to have someone who does sort of come in saying i'm i'll go here with you i'm not scared of this i can understand how that's powerful and i think the the tragedy of this is someone like her i think can flourish because there there is such a lack of resource or space that i think can hold that kind of depth and i think you know you see that come through for the followers right who are looking for the space but i also think that's part of what enables teal to have such grandiosity because she truly seems to think she's like the only person in the world who can hold space for this kind of depth of feeling. And I'm just sort of sitting there like, look, I'm sort of blessed to have found communities where I'm not going to say it's a dime a dozen, but you know, there are many people I know who are different, doing different types of work, including all three people who are here on this call who can hold that kind of space. And I just want to look at Teal and say, you're not that special. (laughs) You're not that special. Yes, this is much rarer in the world than it should be, but you really aren't all that in a bag of chips. So it's just interesting to me how that scarcity of that kind of space that can hold those deeper experiences, those deeper currents of energy, those deeper feelings, it it does really sort of create the conditions that can give rise both to Teal as this sort of overly grandiose, I'm the one who has all the answers, no one else is offering this, and the people who really believe that, not knowing that there really are other people who are much, much, much better equipped, but you know, there are other people who are just as equipped, if not much more so, to to hold that kind of space. And there's one more thing I want to say, the thing about what you're saying, Jamie, where every exercise she would introduce, she would say in her monotone voice, this is going to be the most powerful thing you've ever done. This is the most powerful experience. This is going to take you. Uh, And then, and then she'd do these experiences. And I would say, if I were going to do it from my perspective, I wouldn't be saying this is the most powerful thing you're ever going to do. I would say this is normal. This Mm -hmm. is what human beings feel. And I think that's the difference in perspective that you're naming. This is, this is, you're getting ready to do something that's so normal, that's part of the human experience. And then that belongs to them. It doesn't belong to Teal. But when she says that you're getting ready to do the most powerful thing, I'm giving it to you, then that experience belongs to her and they do not leave empowered. I think that's that's a place I really challenge her. The way she introduces it, it's not just the most powerful tool you've ever experienced, it's also the most dangerous, which I loved that. Like every time she introduces an exercise, it's powerful and it's dangerous. Her flair for drama, it's like everything is so high stakes in her world. And it's like, yeah, every single process, it's dangerous, it's not for the faint of heart. If you're going to be doing this, you know, you basically have to be worthy of her army. It's just, again, it's that grandiosity. And also that what I was speaking to earlier of like her feeling like a kid. Yeah, a kid who's on Google and like discovers things. And it's like, oh, my God, this is the most powerful tool. And then she's offering it. Yeah, like it's it's just her 
specialized brand of magical wisdom that like cannot be found anywhere else in the world when it's like, no, there are constellation workshops happening everywhere. You know, for people listening to this, constellation work is, you know, that channeling work that she has people do where people embody the consciousness of like, you know, for example, someone's mother, someone's father, uh, their inner child or whatever it is. I mean, this is work that's out there available in the world and it's it's really powerful and Teal does not <laughs> in any way have a claim on it. But you wouldn't know that from watching the documentary. Yeah, when you, you were saying something, Jamie, about people that are maybe more equipped than her to hold this type of depth work, I think you're speaking to self-responsibility. Like what equips someone to really sit with people in these places is a place where they know themselves like they mm -hmm. actually know themselves so that if anything comes towards them from a projection from a perspective from from whatever that whatever is happening on the other side they can know themselves and hold space for the other person's experience without defending without making them wrong something about her response to or re I'm going to say reaction to people bringing something to her where if, if it's almost like her distorted sense of self is so I mean the way I feel it right now it's like she's constructed something that is so fragile it's so fragile yeah. that when anything comes this way it's almost like you can just feel the the crack and then the need to just glue it all back up so quickly and then come right back at mm -hmm. and say no 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 that's not what's happening there so oh, I can actually it feels really um I actually feel like a lot of nausea when I tap into that that fragility it's like this construction that feels so like a house of cards yeah that's literally like I was just seeing like a house of cards but she keeps adding layer upon level upon level so it, it like just keeps getting wobblier and wobblier, but she has to like keep adding levels to the house of cards in order to like keep it going. The metaphor that I'm seeing, she has to keep adding levels or else it will fall down. But the more levels she adds, it creates the greater danger of it falling down. So she just has to keep going. It's this like loop. It feels to me like this house of cards did start getting constructed in childhood. And she's Area. still, yeah, she's still in that childhood house of cards. Like she's in that childhood framework. It hasn't been burst open yet to whatever the adult Teal Swan would be, if that even exists at this point. So I just want to kind of name that, that it feels like she's living in the energetic pattern of like her childhood and what she's put into motion in childhood. Having said that, Anne, I mean, you said something that was really interesting that you had this sort of gut feeling she was born this way. And so I'm wondering, mm -hmm. do you guys, and there's no way for us to know, of course, but where are you falling in terms of um, being curious about, suspecting, sensing, intuiting that this is someone who did go through some early experience of abuse or trauma and that that is what perhaps contributed created this split because my before I listened to the interviews just having listened to having watched the deep end and having listened to the Gizmodo podcast my kind of working theory was that there was some sort of sexual trauma that happened perhaps with this veterinarian guy who they interviewed on the Gizmodo podcast and he sounded a little strange I mean 
Mm-hmm. I want to be clear, that's not a verdict of guilt, but he just, it felt a little strange energetically. And I kind of had this working theory, like maybe something happened, like there was like this sexual trauma, but basically her way of coping with it was to start creating these much more grandiose, elaborate memories because it's almost like to surrender to the quote-unquote more pedestrian nature of like the sexual assault or the molestation, it might have, well, it would have connected her to the pain, right? And the pain might have been too difficult for her to tolerate at that time. So instead of letting herself be in a what we might call ordinary narrative of sexual abuse, she started to create these tall tales of really horrific abuse. Like that's kind of what I was thinking at that point. But mm. then when I heard these interviews... <laughs> I no longer feel as like clear or certain about that. And I, I'm just curious, like what comes up for you around the possibility of like some early trauma in her life that kind of set the stage for all of this? I've sat with this a little bit, especially after watching the interviews with her friend. And I was thinking about how early, you know, this girl's like eight or nine and, and Teal was 12, 13 years old. So I was thinking about what she was already doing at that age. And so I thought, okay, so she was obviously hypersexualized. And just for point of reference, like she was showing pornography, like at 12 and 13, yeah. she was showing her best friend pornography. She and was really dark graphic. pornography, dark, very, yes, reality yes. and, and yeah. was also kind of overly concerned with her best friend's changing body. There was an energy of, there was just sort of a violating energy, an over hypersexualized violating energy from a young age. And for some reason, I don't have a sense. I, and I'm, who knows, right? I mean, this is all just like in theory working, but it's like, like Anne had said, like there's some, some way that she came in with a, a perception that didn't match the perception that was around her which that is traumatizing. I mean, that that's like a, that's an overwhelming experience to maybe be talking about something. And how, I don't know how that was met. I don't know how she talked about, you know, what she was seeing when she was little. And I don't know if that came out in any other interviews about even like her formative, you know, two, three, four year old. I mean, I don't know if her parents were ever interviewed at all about what they saw, but I got the impression that her parents had already tried to get her some help for something, some sort of behavioral issues that they didn't understand. So I got the impression that they were seeing something very early on that was something they didn't understand. And they also lived in Utah where there is Mormon culture that's a very specific type of religion that has a very specific origin around a prophet. I'm just kind of feeling the environment that she grew up in, the schools that she went to, where she kind of took information and did something with it. Mm-hmm. She feels very creative to me. Mm-hmm. She feels super, super smart to me. Mm-hmm. And again, with this sort of lack of real-time experience, lifetime experience, taking in these images, taking in these concepts, taking in this information. And I can just feel her little brain like trying to make meaning or processing what she was seeing and not having somebody able to sit with her in a way that's helping her make sense of it some way. There feels like something happened that put her in a position that she was bad or wrong for what she was thinking and she took that and just 
came out with no, I'm sure, and everybody else is bad and wrong. So that's kind of where I see the origins of it coming from, but who knows? I've worked with people who have experiences of invasion and violation, but they're very clear. They're very clear that nothing happened. Mm-hmm. They're very clear that nothing happened. They they know that nothing happened, but their sensitivity to maybe having their diaper changed or I don't know, you know, like you can name all the things that happened to us when we're babies just being handled. And if that sensitivity, I think she's a very highly sensitive individual, but she did something with that. I don't know. I, I don't have a sense that there was a vile. I, I don't know. And I, I think she experienced something clearly that was hard for her. And the way that was maybe handled and met with the lack of understanding what was going on and knowing contributed on some level to um, how she organized herself. But it's an interesting question. And I almost feel like it doesn't matter. There's something about it that even it's like, I I, I can feel myself not even being interested in whether or not something happened. Similar. Yeah. (laughs) Where sometimes I'm really like, wait, what? I don't feel it in that, that way but it's almost like yeah that's such a detail that doesn't even matter but there is something about the way she's organized her her way of being in relationship with people that matters does this come back to Anne's experience of if there's a if she came into the world a certain way and then there's a way that she's not being met there it sort of creates this experience of the grief the grief around if I'm fully seen. It's interesting because it's like when you were asking Piper way back when about what happens for Teal if she's fully seen or if one fully sees her. The image that I got, I guess instead of a house of cards, suddenly I'm in like a fun house mirror room and it's like Uh all the, suddenly all the mirrors shatter the glass falls and there's like this abyss of kind of nothingness and I just hear this sort of shriek it feels like this existential angst kind of like do I even exist yeah do I even exist and so to me it almost has this flavor of like survival like there's no one here to help me to hold me in this process. So maybe this is sort of the connection I'm making. If I'm having this sort of unique experience of the world and I, there are these aspects of me that are really powerful and there are things that I'm seeing and perceiving. And yeah, then I'm not met here. I'm not seen here. I'm not validated here. It's almost like this possible untethered feeling of how do I even exist here? Do I exist here? What's keeping me here? And I guess if that scene, if I see that in myself or if others in me see it, it almost, how do I say this? Like it will make that experience real somehow. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's really interesting what you're saying. I mean, I have something similar when I feel into her that there's a place that something could happen and she would drop or that there would be profound emptiness or profound something but what you said jamie that just grabbed my attention was no one can meet me here this profoundly deep experience of in her entire life being this person being who never felt met or understood and now she has become the one that can understand everyone and i think that's really interesting having worked with so many people 
including myself, who work with other people. And many times the genesis of that comes out of our own unmet experience and wanting to give something we didn't get Mm. to others. And I think what's so interesting about her is that she is so brilliant. She's brilliant. She's powerful. I mean, these these things are all true, but in a place that doesn't have awareness about herself, in a place that doesn't know even maybe her intention for doing what she's doing. And that goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning. Why is she doing what she's doing? I can imagine the profound pain of being this powerful being that was never met and feeling so wounded, split, harmed in that place just because of how she came in, you know, if that's what happened, just turning into the one that's going to give that to everyone as a way of avoiding that pain. And then if you look at how huge her influence is and how much power she has, then I would think, oh my God, the pain this woman is in must be beyond anything I can imagine. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you say that too, when I when I take in your reflection of the words like never been met, she's creating this platform, right? Where she's theoretically meeting all these people. Yeah. But then the way in which she does it, right? Where she is the grandiose yeah. vessel for the work, she is never met there right it's like the inversion of that but like in this self-inflated way of i'm all powerful i mean going back to that interaction with that guy who do you go to no one there's no one to meet me you know so it's almost like she wields it it's like she's taking that possible vulnerability or that possible wound and almost wielding it like a weapon of so-called empowerment all to avoid perhaps the place where she truly hasn't been met which would take her into that grief that perhaps feels like a threat to her very existence. As you were talking, Anne, I was just kind of feeling that place of when we dissolve kind of into not nothingness, but a dissolving, maybe it's ego. If I felt into her as a potential client or not that she would ever seek help, but someone who actually came with the question of what next, you know, I was just sort of thinking about what she would need. I kind of felt that place of what she's so afraid of that dissolving into nothing because her defense, her survival really came to how do I have power? You know, she did it from a very early age. Oh, look at how I can manipulate people. It was all about manipulating these people. Shocking. Like, What happens if I show them this video? What happens if I say this thing? What happens if I show up in this outfit? From this woman perspective, the one that was her friend, she referenced a few things that she did along the way that were so shocking to this little Mormon girl's experience. And I think this girl's perspective was that that did something for Teal. Mm -hmm. You know, in hindsight, she can look back and remember that she 
felt like Teal got off on this, that this was powerful for her. Like there was something about it. So I feel like from an early age, the way that she survived was to feel her impact, Mm -hmm. you know, to actually, oh, okay. People may not understand me, but I can impact them. And that allows me something. Yeah, there's something around power and a dissolving that I just keep wondering about what would happen if she actually sat with people from a empty place as opposed to this grandiose I'm your guru place. And it makes me also very curious about her connection with Blake. Oh, because I have stuff to say about Blake, but were you going to say something else? Well, I'm listening to Piper and I'm thinking about and the House of Cards and I'm thinking about how she went to Blake. Just whatever, whatever happened in her therapy that gave her some way to be something and then go and meet Blake from that place with these stories, which she believed or didn't believe. I don't know. But I do have a feeling that something very real happened with Blake, like something vulnerable in the beginning, and that there was some deep connection, but that it required Blake to probably not from the very beginning, but over time to get into a certain position with her that everybody's in, except he was a little more special than everybody else. Well, see, I kind of lately have been experiencing Blake as a sneaky little devil. (laughs) Oh, say more. Well, it really kind of clicked during the interview with her ex-boyfriend because what the ex-boyfriend revealed before he got into a romantic relationship with Teal, he was just in her inner circle. Like initially they had kind of a, I guess it it felt like a platonic relationship with sexual tension. Cause when he first met her, she was still in what I think was her second marriage at the time. But what he said was that while she was in that marriage, I forget if he said it was known for a fact or if it was suspected, but he basically said she was still fooling around with a Blake behind the scenes. And when he said that, something just clicked into the place about Blake. He kind of has this soft-spoken, obedient, gentle, sensitive persona. But I suddenly just felt the flavor of, oh, that allows him to get away with a lot of shit. And then meanwhile, look at who he's pitched his wagon to, you know, Miss Princess of Darkness. That says something about him as well, right? And even as I say that, I can suddenly feel like, oh, what an amazing opportunity for him to be hitched to someone like Teal because he gets to be the soft spoken yeah exactly he gets to be the good guy so when i was re-watching the deep end the second time around after having consumed this other content it just felt so clear to me blake's sort of disowned mischief blake's disowned danger and then just even the way i would sort of see him look at i think was it juliana was his wife's name I i felt like you could see even though he he was presenting as like, I'm here to support you and, you know, we're going to make this a seamless transition and ostensibly I'm on your side. The way that he would look at her, I just felt this flavor of um, make a good impression. Don't fuck this up. Say the right thing. So just that that intensity that feels very much underground to me with him. How do you maintain a close relationship with Teal for 18 years without having a lot of power yourself? <laughs> I mean, that takes some navigation skills. But then part of the condition of that is disowning your own power. Absolutely. Oh, of course. When you disown your power and then you see it in others, if he hitched his wagon to Teal, did he 
believe she was that powerful or did he think he was more powerful than Teal? Well, this is another confusing thing about the timeline because I felt like in the deep end, the way that Teal explained it was she basically escaped from the clutches of the satanic sex cult and Blake gave her a safe haven and it was kind of the moment where she never went back, right? Yeah. Okay, well, so then let's go back to the interview with the ex-boyfriend in Mormon Stories and he's talking about hanging out with her and her parents. You know, this is years after she met Blake. This is years after her relationship with Blake became quote-unquote platonic even though I guess it really wasn't you know so unless I'm misunderstanding I'm like so even right there there's just an incongruency with the various timelines it's like did she flee sort of never look back fearing for her life and her safety or was there a much more traditional transition where she just moved cities but she was still interacting with her family like back in wherever she came from oh my god (laughs) that was one of the things that kept sticking with me too like I kept thinking okay wait they knew each other How, how old were they was she 18 18 when she ran away yeah like 19 into blake's arms and and is he the same age as her i don't know where was this guy living how was he supporting himself did he live with his parents why didn't he turn so confused that 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 part of it is so confusing to me and how were they living with each other and what was going on there and why was nothing being investigated at that point like if she just got out of this, why didn't he say we need to call the authorities? What were those conversations like? Who was he? Well, and again, I have to point out that the ex-boyfriend did say her stories about what happened would get more and more embellished as time went on. And he specifically mentioned like even Blake would cock an eye and be like, wait, what? <laughs> so, I mean, my feeling as we're talking about all this, I guess my intuitive best guess, I kind of think Blake knows in the same way that you said you don't believe she actually fully believes all her stories Mm -hmm. i think blake Mm -hmm. knows also that these stories aren't all true perhaps like believes in her believes in her believes in her mission believes in her power but understands she's an eccentric artist (laughs) well the way i heard it from the director about blake and juliana because i think it's interesting that blake had been in two other engagements that ended and then juliana came this was his third time that he was going to marry someone And the only difference this time was that the film crew had been there for three years. Juliana and Blake spent time alone with the film crew. And at that point, the film crew had been through the full teal treatment, both of being enamored of her, being turned on by her, having scenes like the scene with Juliana where the whole community would turn on the filmmaker and pound him through the night. And so they'd been through the whole experience and they were with Blake and Juliana separate from Teal. And it sounds to me like they had a lot of conversations that actually gave Blake the courage to leave. I wondered about that because he made comments in the documentary saying my days of non-commitment are over. And so it just made me curious about, well, one, why has he been so non-committal? But two, yeah, what's going on now that those days are over? And so that's it makes total sense that the documentary is what's going on now. Yeah, he got support from people outside the community who were in some ways validating their experience. And Juliana obviously had a really hard time there. I mean, and she was strong, I felt. I felt her ability to 
even when the whole group turned on her to and Teal said, this is what you're thinking. And she was saying, here's what I'm thinking. She was brave. I mean, she yeah. was a brave, strong person. So I think the combination of her, maybe her bravery and the way that she was seeing things and the filmmakers having come in from the outside and having watched their own difficult experience in this community of finding her amazing and wonderful and then also brutal and cruel, being able to support what Blake and Juliana were seeing, help them go. Also was really um, struck by the fact, first of all, she really had a good relationship with her mother. She was German. You know, she came from another culture. Yes. And so I feel like she kind of came in with another lens. You yes. know, like she wasn't suicidal, mm-hmm. you know, she wasn't at, in that place that we were naming earlier where nothing matters. She came to be in relationship with this guy. She did have outside support, right? She had her family who loved her and she wasn't going to see them as wrong or bad, right? Yep. So that was always out there holding her in this experience. It's interesting, though. I I do feel like kind of the House of Cards helps to contextualize even more her persecution complex and kind of the notion that, yeah, like they're always in peril. People are always out to get her because it's sort of like she always has to be on that tight why i mean one it obviously fuels her grandiosity right but there's that kind of like feeling of adrenaline that's propelling her forward on this linear urgent message so that she never really has to stop slow down and to kind of how piper talked about it just be with herself and be in the place of doing nothing it's it's always life or death all or nothing we're on the hunt she's always like on the precipice of like again it's like the house of cards it's about to topple over i mean in a way like this documentary is the biggest gift she could have ever received for herself because this is she's like a really well-written movie because her dramatic stakes just keep getting elevated and elevated and elevated here she is more persecuted now than ever because of this movie this totally fits her usual paradigm right they said in the in the i was already thinking this how she says i can see everything i know everything i i know everything you know the woman that committed suicide oh by the way she reincarnated two days later oh that was convenient for you Keel. <laughs> don't have to feel anything about it thank god you got her out of her body and she came back into a new life. But if she's so psychic, why didn't she know that the podcaster and the filmmakers <laughs> were going to come out with these? That is glaring, right? I mean, if you know everything, how come you're not seeing this coming? Well, I think there was something about, you know, when they hired the uh, cult expert to come in also. And when the information came, it was kind of like she kind of said, well, that wasn't what I wanted to to hear, but almost kind of rested in this, like I knew that was going to happen and pointed to the guy that actually did the hiring, like you are responsible for this. This is, this is on you basically. So it's almost like she would maybe in places where her psychic abilities were not almost like I'm, I'm counting on someone else to handle this other thing. I'm not tuned into my psychic thing because I've trusted someone and that trusted person let me down. 
Uh -huh. You know, I can't be omnipresent all the time everywhere. I'm focused on this other thing that I'm doing. That's interesting because if you watched her rebuttals, oh my God, talk about House of Cards. She's fighting for her life and she's going moment by moment and saying that almost making it sound like everything was edited in some completely untruthful way and that none of these things were, none of these things actually happened. But it was really interesting to watch it and think, Teal, there was a whole uncut scene where you gathered your group together to turn on Juliana. That was an uncut scene. How do you explain that? That's what I'm seeing, Teal. I'm just seeing moments where you lift your eyebrow or you turn on someone. I don't need to see anything else. Even if they showed me lots and lots of great stuff, and they did show some really great stuff. Yeah. But that part of who you are is really disturbing. I was thinking too about the woman who was being interviewed in that Mormon podcast, and she said something to the effect of they were trying to do like uh, telekinesis where you move things with, <laughs> you know, like where you can move objects with your mind. And, you know, she'd say, Teal would say, did you, did you see it move? And she said, no, I was focusing on my thing. Do, do it now. And then she would say, well, I can't do it now. You're watching me, you know, <laughs> like something like that. So it's like, that's kind of her vibe about everything. It's like, yeah. if, if you don't see what I'm doing and then you focus on me to see if I'm doing it, you've just interrupted the whole process. That's not, that's not how it's done. Well, there it is again, like, do not see me, do not see me. And all I can say is this is not going to end well. Oh, I know. Well, Can't you feel it? No. I really, I, I'm so curious where this is going to go. Kind of wanted to bring that in. I mean, I just, my mind keeps flashing to this platform she has on YouTube and the fact that she's got a million and a half subscribers. Here we have this woman who, to our experience, has this incredibly deep split, an incredibly inflated sense of power, an incredibly deep sense of emotional immaturity, and an incredibly large blind spot and an incredibly large following. And, you know, as everyone's pointing out, this is not a woman who has any kind of formal training in anything. And yet, like we talked about, it's kind of borrowing bits and pieces from so many people. I actually watched one of her rebuttals where she provided video footage of what actually happens in the waterboarding exercise because she was like, it's much, they make it look like it's waterboarding. It's actually much different. And to be fair, it is much less dramatic than how they make it look in the documentary. But basically what it is, is first you start on your back. So your head's above water, like your face is pointing towards the sky. You're being held by two assistants. But what they have you do is almost kind of like a holotropic breathing, like a really, <laughs> a really rapid breathing that kind of gets you into an altered state, gets you feeling feelings. And then once you're at a certain point, they flip you over. They put you in the water for like two seconds. They bring you out, then they put you back in. I mean, don't get me wrong. She was presenting it as once you see this video, you'll see like it was totally manipulated. I watched the video and found myself thinking, yeah, I understand they made it look worse than it is. I'm still not exactly comfortable <laughs> with what you're doing. With what you're doing. And, and to the point I'm making, even just the breath work, right? I, I, I mean, yeah. let me say, I've participated in lots of different types of breath work. Guess yeah. what? I'm not facilitating that with anyone because I'm not trained in that. I'm not, I have received no formal yeah. training, no certification. I'm not an expert in it. And I understand 
it's weird. Teal will say this is the most dangerous thing you could ever do, right? So it almost gives the impression she understands how serious it is. But in the place where she's just kind of got this flair for the drama, I feel like I have much more of an understanding. No, this stuff in the wrong situation with the wrong type of person, this this can be dangerous. You don't know what you're necessarily opening up. Yeah. And you've got to tread lightly. So I guess the reason why I'm saying all this is just you guys are kind of bringing in something's going to go wrong, what's going to happen. What do we even make of this kind of deeply immature woman who's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, expert at nothing, out there acquiring this huge following, doing this work largely unchecked? To your guys' point, where is this going? And is there a tipping point? You know, when I think about the difference between how I feel with her and how I felt with Keith and Nancy and the Nexium thing, if I just feel them side by side, with Keith and Nancy, even as distorted and all the terrible things that happened, there was some sense of ground or connection or community that felt real or people were having real experiences or connection with teal what i feel is that the longing people have for community and connection the fact that people don't have it and the internet and to me i just feel that kind of deadly combination with her where i don't feel that people are getting real community with her or that things are being built out in the world. I feel there's some real internet-y kind of illusion of connection that is not really there. And it feels profoundly different to me. But she's, she's really big and she's unchecked and she's doing really intense things in ways that aren't really holding people there or after they leave. And I just think more and more people are, some bad things are going to happen and it's going to come out. I mean, how can you have a million and a half followers and be doing the kinds of things she's doing with no holding of them afterwards and not have a lot of bad things begin to happen? Well, it's interesting because, you know, way back when you posed the question about her intention, and it just makes me think of her stated intention around, well, one, creating this company that is so, quote unquote, pure in its intentions that nothing can stop it, which even that it's just this image of a monolith, this one company that's going to serve the world. And in the documentary, she talked about like humanity as one tribe. And this notion that she's got the tools to help everyone in the world. Whenever I hear anyone talk about, oh, I'm going to go out there and create the revolution that's going to change the world. And it's always sort of predicated on this, to me, very reductive notion that there's one thing that can help all humankind. And it, I just always feel like, you know, grandiosity aside, it's, it's, it's so for me, not in reality, because as we know, humanity is so multifaceted. It's so diverse. It's so complex. I mean, just the idea from Teal's perspective that, you know, she can offer something that's going to be appropriate for people in other nations, other cultures halfway around the world. It's just such a myopic way of looking at things, right? And so when I think about what we felt into just as far as this woman coming into this world, perhaps with like a lot of power, 
not being met there, it creating this sense of like an existential powerlessness that is horrifying and maybe feels like a threat to her very existence. So let me lean into my power in a way where I become all powerful so I can avoid this helplessness. And then it becomes this straight shot to this, like, again, this linear, monolithic, all or nothing, grandiose, I'm creating the tribe for all of humanity. This is part of what I mean when I say it feels like she's still in the kaleidoscope of her childhood. And it's almost like at some point, the bubble's going to pop. Like she's not going to be a fall. Yeah, she's not going to create this monolithic company that has the purest of intentions. You know, she's not going to create the one tribe of all the world. She's not going to do it, right? And so, yeah, I guess it's... what? Exactly, exactly. In my experience, grandiosity always leads to a fall. And for some reason, when you're talking, I'm thinking about Hitler. That certain way of thinking, I don't think that people get away with that for life. I don't think life is like that at a certain point. people. But a lot of damage gets done in the meantime. And I think for me, it's just that notion of the energy of a linear push towards something, which to me sort of goes against what feels to me like the actual laws of the universe, which is sacred geometry. It's fractals. It's not linear point A to point B to point C. It's everything all at once. It's expansive. It's concentric. It's multidimensional. So I don't know. I guess I'm saying this in terms of teal, but also maybe I'm just saying this for anyone listening out there. I think anytime we get locked in, whether it's on teal levels or not, to a grandiose pattern of I'm pushing towards this thing that's going to be the end all be all for everyone. It's a sign that perhaps there's something you're not looking at. Especially if that shot, it there's obstructions, you know, there there's people, there's voices that are saying, wait a minute, you're hurting me as you're moving forward and there's still a push and a drive. I think that's when you really pay attention. Yeah, I mean, talk about a lack of trust in what the universe is bringing her. I mean, she does not seem to be paying any attention to the warning or the signs. Nope. I got to feel her position of who are her guides? Who does she tune into? Yeah, who does she resource? Because she claims herself a channel, right? Mm-hmm. She, she channel? says that she's an Arcturian, that she's an alien. Oh, oh. She's she's an alien from outer space, and they chose this body for her to come into because it would be attractive to a huge amount of people. Wow. Okay. Those are her guides. Those are her guides. Also, for me, that and this is my perspective, that the ultimate goal or the place where we're getting to is a place where we're not that special and where we're really, you know, you cannot be special and be one with everything. You can't. And what a beautiful place it is to land in that knows that we're not that important. And what a lonely, disconnected place it is to believe that you're so special and and that if you're with someone who's telling you that they are, or encouraging you to believe that you are, in my opinion, you're, 
this is my perspective, you're going down a, a lonely, illusional, illusion-filled path. Yeah, it reminds me of like in the podcast at one point she's saying to the interview, I can see your cells and your organs and I can tell you things about your physical body. And she starts kind of naming things about him that he verifies. And when I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, but I, I feel like everyone can do that actually you know i mean i just think you're willing to kind of own that in yourself but i think there are a whole lot of other people who if they if they were willing to trust their own intuition and if they were willing to drop into themselves you know this doesn't make you special teal perhaps it's stating the obvious it's it's that belief and conviction in her own specialness and all this that is just such a huge part of the danger and i really do want to acknowledge her specific flavor of power in the sense of what she has created and that she has generated a million and a half followers. Yeah. And there is something tremendously powerful about her. It's so fascinating to me, just that contrast between the part of her that is extremely creatively powerful and so deeply emotionally immature. And going back to that car, just that split and that schizophrenia. It's almost like, you know, if I just followed my own little creative, imaginative ramblings, you know, you were saying like she came in different. It's almost like sometimes I I wonder this about certain people, like whether there are certain people who come in who are from different dimensions. There's sort of like the spiritual pool where almost all of us come from as we become humans. But then sometimes there are people who come in who aren't even from that pool. And it, they come in and they're experiencing this lifetime. It's kind of like, what the fuck is going on here? And, you know, I think theoretically the idea is there's something they're sort of meant or to experience from that kind of inner conflict of this feels fucking weird to me. What am I doing here? And I, it's almost like I start to wonder, did Teal come... Like, did she come from outer space? You know what I mean? And like she came into this lifetime and that's sort of what's part of what's fueling this kind of existential crisis, you know, and then it kind of just leads me to wonder what is that life task? I guess as we're framing it, I guess it would be to integrate the part of her that could dissolve, feel her powerlessness, feel her humanity, feel her helplessness, survive it. And then I guess from that place of, permission and flow wield her power in a more intentional way yeah so we could imagine all sorts of things let's say she is an alien from outer space (laughs) whatever but the reality is everyone who gets born into a human body is human yeah so she's human and I was thinking about saying, you know, we're not that special, but also that that doesn't mean that we we're not who we are, that we don't have all our gifts, that our gifts aren't unique. She's uniquely teal. And I like your vision for her. Maybe I would love to send that out for her, for her healing, you know, would be to have all of this power that she has and also be aware that she's a human being that would be like i think the healing of something profound and i would want that for her and i and i definitely want that for her followers yeah i mean i don't know why hitler is coming up so much for me right now but hitler is coming up and how people who are so split and can get such a huge group of people to follow them and she's doing something different but she's She's also, I mean, she's telling almost everyone that their parents don't love them or they abuse them. And I don't think that that can be true for every person that's coming to her. And that's 
doing terrible damage. Terrible damage. I mean, not just damage to the person, like the people that then they question. And then just that question being out there, there's implications from those questions that people don't ever fully recover from. That type of integrity questioned and and named as a potential, whether it's unproven or not, that stigma stays. Yes. And then what's interesting, as we're saying all of this, is that what's actually happening is the fracturing of a lot of connection, the fracturing of connection. Exactly. Talk about that Buddhist philosophy of your external creates, it's, it's like a projection of everything that you're carrying inside. And here's this fractured, deeply split person. Everything is mirrored back. I mean, this house of mirrors, the house of cards, like all this stuff, that's what she's carrying right now. Yeah. And um, the host of the Mormon, Mormon Stories podcast, in the interview with the ex-boyfriend, he was talking about an instance of recovered rep- memory during the satanic panic where basically a young woman was coaxed into recovering memories of her father sexually abusing her and the father because he realized he was in this position where to like deny her accusations would essentially mean yeah he ended up admitting to Uh the crimes and i believe went to jail even though he didn't do it there was an incredible new yorker article about that entire thing that was so profound wow the last thing i'll just say i just keep coming back to this notion of teal on her platform and the words that i keep really hearing it's just like incredible power and incredible immaturity and that split and then it just makes me think for example of like donald trump there's just something right now in the collective there's something about incredible power and incredible immaturity and that particular flavor of a split feels very here for me and it feels very relevant to the collective right now and as we're coming to the end i i feel sad again and i feel i feel so much compassion for her i want something for her I'm really wishing something for her. I can feel that as you describe it and as we've all been in this energy, I can I can feel the the split there and the desire that she will get it, get some help there. Do you think it's possible for her to at this point? Maybe not. It's a good question. I I really like to believe that it's possible for everyone, but I think there's something specific that needs to happen. And with the extent of what she's attracted, like as we've named her power, it's like, I think that something that drastic has to happen to break down this house. Like, even though it feels really fragile, it feels like it needs, like, every aspect of that house needs to be disintegrated because Mm -hmm. it feels like each piece of it has something that could bring life back again to the distortion. Mm -hmm. So it feels like something really dramatic would have to bring her to her knees where she literally has to let go of the belief that she is in right now for her to say, yes, I need help. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I was thinking something along the same lines. The vision I got is she would have to be willing to give everything 
up to your point piper like the willingness to let all of this go everything her ego is attached to for me it was that similar flavor if if there's one hook left in what she's currently attached to it will be the lifeline that keeps her anchored to all this it has to be just a total willingness to just let go of everything i think i used to believe and i want to believe that everyone can heal and in my experience there are some people that don't won't can't the other person i'm thinking of right now is bernie madoff i mean i don't know if you ever got involved in his whole story but he's a he's another person who i mean everything fell down but he did not heal he was in and his both of his children died one by suicide one by cancer and he lost everything but there was something so missing in him that's kind of how i feel perhaps about teal think about that also with certain housewives there's certain housewives where i kind of like take them in no seriously i'm like i my feeling i think they're just too they're too split at this point you know i think they're the split's too deep it's gone on too long i mean i hate saying it because kind of like you piper i want to believe that anyone can be restored to wholeness and on some level i do believe the capacity exists on some really 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 deep level but there's another part of me that just does believe i think in rare cases when the split really takes root and then it's just it grows and it grows and it grows over time right now as you just mentioned that i think that's where i feel her son oh oh well i was gonna say one thing her ex-boyfriend did say uh in his interview he was saying you know i do believe she has empathy and his example of her empathy was that she actually would resist spending time with her son because she said I'm so fucked up, basically. I don't want to fuck him up. I guess so she knows that. There's a part of her that knows that in relation to this soul that she brought in. So if I could say anything that feels like a potential, it's around him. It's around him somehow. I don't I don't know how or, or what, but I'm so interested in that. All right, you guys. Well, any concluding well, the- thoughts? I think I would just double down on what Anne said for both the sake of her followers, but for her as a as a human. I just want to hold hold the hope that I hold that whatever happens, that it happens in the highest way or the highest in the least damaging way. <laughs> whatever reckoning, whatever whatever comes, because it doesn't feel like it's it's gonna it's it's not sustainable what's happening, and that whatever does happen, it's for the highest good. And I think my final thoughts are really about my longing that whatever happens in the world, forget even Teal, but whatever happens as the world goes forward, and maybe the way the house of cards of the world is kind of falling down also, that when it falls or part of the falling involves people finding real connection and community, because I think that is just so profoundly missing for people. The last thing I'll just say is, you know, I do know there's like this part of me that wants to root for her because I do really love how she is this powerful woman doing this Mm -hmm. work. And it's almost like, as I say that, even though, again, I think she's completely destructive and yes, there's a house of cards that's likely to topple and I don't really condone what she's doing. There is almost something heartening to me, though, that she is attracting such a following in the sense that she is a provocative 
powerful, strong, dark woman. I mean, and I know, I know she's attractive and she's white and there are, you know, there are those sort of caveats. Yeah, I feel way more for her than I did for Keith. That's for sure. I feel more for her. That's interesting because I feel more connected to her than I do to Keith. And I I want good things for her more than I, for him, I felt, well. I feel her heart more than I feel his. I also think she's more gifted than he is. And also she's not sexually assaulting people. Right. And it's a, you know, it's a pretty, important distinction do things. <laughs> she's not taking right, naughty yeah. photos of people naked and you know <laughs> all right you guys well thank you so much for your time your energy your information it's always such a privilege to have you here as always you can find me on instagram jamie stein j-a-m-i-e-s-t-e-i-n and if you're interested in my work you can go to my website hollywoodreadings.com and send me an email and that is all for now i will see you guys on the flip side Bye.